Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Good afternoon and good evening, Undying Light listeners. Welcome to another new episode. We are uh, back at it, uh, solo in the studio. We've had a couple of episodes recently where we've had guests on. Uh, last Friday, we uh, took kind of a break between the uh, least of these series and uh, invited April to come on and talk to us about a whole variety of topics. Uh, and then uh, surrounding that interview, we had an interview with Brian Wolfmuller and Flame. So we have had, you know, pretty consistent um, times with uh, with people on here, and we've talked and covered a, a multitude of uh, topics. And uh, as I record this, uh, we're going to be, you know, airing this episode at the end of June. So it's kind of in the middle of June right now. So I'm a little bit ahead of schedule, which is great. This will air the 24th, and uh, I believe we have a few more episodes in the baptism series uh, that will air into July. Then we will take on the uh, Lord's Supper on our Tuesday series, and we will work through a handful of uh, topics there, and we will unpack um, the view and understanding of what the Lutherans believe when it comes to the Lord's Supper. So a couple of things that I really want to highlight and expand on is the, the purpose and drive behind this podcast. So if you haven't listened to us before, obviously we do um, a exegetical work through of every single book in the Bible. We're working through all the books in the Bible and we're just doing it in various series and things like that. But, you know, right now we're working through the minor prophets and we have been in here for a number of months now looking at different prophets and different things. Uh, We've looked at uh, the wisdom books. We've looked at revelation. Uh, We'll do some new Testament books here um, after a while, but the goal is to take the scripture and make it understandable for you. Now, obviously, I'm a Lutheran pastor, and so the Lutheran faith shines forth in that understanding. 
and so if you follow me on Instagram or you follow me on any social media platform, just be aware that I'm going to be talking from a Lutheran perspective. You know, it, it shouldn't be a shock because I claim to be Lutheran that I should be talking from a Lutheran perspective. It'd be really weird if I was a Lutheran pastor and I was talking from a 1689 confessional Baptist perspective. Now, when you have a Reformed Baptist or 1689 Baptist and you have a conversation with them, I would expect you to talk to me in the manner of what your uh, hermeneutical belief system is. And I, and I bring this up because I had a conversation with an individual this morning uh, who was, you know, I, it wasn't terrible, but it was just one of those things that's like, you know, I, I post Lutheran content. Like, that should be an obvious thing to you. And so if I'm going to talk about like baptism, for instance, I'm going to talk about it from a Lutheran perspective and to, and being a reformed Baptist, you won't agree with me. That's just the, that's just the whole thing. In fact, we're going to talk a little bit about it in our series when we move into the Lord's supper, how uh, Luther and Zwingli really uh, essentially separated themselves. And, uh, and a lot of people in the Protestant movement kind of bit off the Zwingli uh, movement and not many went after Luther except the Lutherans. So it, you know, and we'll talk about that because, you know, that might be like, well, the masses should be right. Well, no, because a lot of times those thoughts are adaptive over a period of time. And so they're actively changing, but Zwingli was a rationalist and a humanist. And so everything was trying to be logically explained. Well, this text possibly can't mean that because over here, it doesn't mean that. Well, over there, it's not being used in the same light. Anywho, we're going to get into that when we get into the Lord's Supper a little bit deeper. And so, I, you know, I just wanted to bring that to light that, you know, this is a Lutheran podcast. I mean, unapologetically, we are going to push the, you know, doctrine of Lutheranism out in hopes that we can clear up, you know, a lot of confusion and, and a lot of misunderstandings of the Lutheran faith. And you know, there's a lot of great Lutheran podcasts out there. I'm not the only one. There's a ton of them. If you are interested, DM me and and I'll point you into the direction of some uh, issues, etc. is one. There's uh, all of the podcasts from 1517. They're solid ones. Uh, and then there's a whole, you know, slew of preachers doing uh, small podcasts, small shows, things like that. And they are extremely impactful. So, you know, I'm just trying to be a little fish swimming in this big sea and, uh, you know, sharing my love for the gospel with all you. So if you're listening, I do appreciate it. I'm much appreciative of all of my listeners and all of my, uh, you know, followers and all that sort. But one of the things I want to kind of draw your attention to is, before we get into the topic at hand tonight is um, the direction for the patrons. Some things that I'm working on this fall is we're going to set up some tiers. And uh, those who are current patrons and subscribers to this show, you will get uh, you will get grandfathered into this. But what we're going to do is we're going to probably set up a 5 and a $20 tier or maybe a 10 and a $20 tier. I haven't decided yet. I don't have the schematics worked out, but I'm working on it. And <clears throat> in this, we are going to start offering a couple extra special things. So... Uh, hopefully this fall, we're going to get into some some more time to where I can do these things, but I'm going to do a, a once a month video teaching that's exclusive for patrons on topic of their choice. 
Uh, it could be a series of things that we do over the month, or it could be, you know, Q and a style, whatever. Uh, and then, f- and that'll be for the top tier. The second tier will get access to Q and A's and like zoom calls where they can chat with us and, and have, you know, be a part of that community. So those are things that we're working on, uh, on top of all the other stuff that we do for patron. Um, so if you want to join us dollar a month or $10 a year, um, that's at, you know, at the dollar rate for over a year, you can give more, you can do, you know, uh, $5 a month. You can give 10, it doesn't matter whatever you are comfortable with. And I understand, you know, with the economy coming, uh, with inflation rising, it is, it is crazy times out there. Gas is through the roof. Um, and, and we're all having to make sacrifices. I, I 100% understand. And, uh, and you know, even for me, I'm a small town pastor. I'm not pulling in any sort of, you know, large amounts of money, but you know, the cuts that my wife and I are making, the adjustments we're making are because the inflation is just so radically high. And so obviously, you know, subscribing to a patron is probably out of the question for most people. That's why I set it at a dollar a month, you know, or $10 for a whole year. And I, and I will never change that. So $1 a month, you get full access to literally everything I do. And again, that will not change with inflation. It will always remain the same. And I pray that you are able to handle your finances well enough in this time period. And, uh, it doesn't, you know, the storms don't beat you up too bad because I fear that uh, there are some dark times coming and, and, and with that uncertain times, we, we just don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. So, you know, I'm not asking for five, 10, 20 or $50 a month. I'm just simply asking for a dollar and that goes to support this show. It goes so that I can produce content for you. It goes so that I, you know, you'll get, uh, something in return as a, as a reward for contributing to this ministry, as well as, uh, we're thinking in these tiers, um, to do quarterly, uh, giveaways on merch, just randomly select people. You can win shirt, hat, you know, sweatshirt, whatever it may be. Um, but we're looking at doing something like that for the top tier as well. But again, you know, by all means be praying about this and be considering what is coming because who knows what tomorrow will bring. I mean, for all we know, Jesus will return and save us (laughs) out of this mess. Uh, we could only wish, but, uh, with that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into the topic at hand. It is the, it is the prophet Amos, and uh, we are going to look at uh, the outline for today's show. So we're going to see uh, just kind of some background and and try, uh, you know historical context and uh, trying to read through this book, and we will unpack and see kind of uh, what we will find in this uh, minor prophet literature. Again, it's. You know, not it's a little bit longer. It is nine chapters for this one, but it's still uh, we'll work through it probably fairly quickly because I'm just going to eyeball here. Ver- chapter one is only 15 verses. Chapter three, 16 or chapter two, 16. Chapter three uh, is 15 verses. So, you know, we could probably do two verses a day or two chapters a week. And uh, breeze through this in about four or five weeks. So, we, you know, the the goal is to handle the material in a right time and manner, uh, but it is also, you know, not to uh, 
push us too far over that 30 minute mark. So if we take a stab and we find ourselves pushing that 30 mark on one chapter, then we'll stop and we'll pick it back up next week. So, cause we got all the time in the world, at least to what we know until the return of Jesus. So we've got, uh, Amos here. He is a prophet. This book was written circa 792 to 740 BC. And we will find it that it takes place in Judah, Jerusalem, Zion, Israel, Samaria, Bethel, uh, Gilgal, Dan, and Syria will be the top places that we will f- come across in uh, this book. Uh, we have Jeroboam, uh, Jos- Josash, Ben Hadden, and uh, Uzziah as people that we will come across in this. Uh, the purpose behind the book is to warn Israel and Judah that God will punish them for the injustices and for the idolatry that are remnant that through, but though a remnant would be saved. So let's again, consider each of these minor prophets that we've looked at so far here. Just recently we looked at Obadiah, Joel, uh, and now Amos, and we are finding kind of the same rhythm, the same theme strung across all of these books. And that is God is going to bring judgment for their disobedience. And, you know, it might be hard for us to read it in light today because, you know, for us in the West, we don't really face a ton of persecution. We don't face too many difficulties. We have some, but they're not they're not near as rough as some of the Christians in the church history have had it, nor. Uh, are we experiencing uh, exile and, uh, and and punishment by God for our disobedience? Though that will come soon, so you know it, at least it'll the judgment aspect will come soon to the world, and Christians will be taken out of that. So it is uh, it is vital for us to understand that when we deal with prophets and the uh, whether minor or major, we are always seeing them warning Israel. Uh, against their sin because they are literally, you know, living into their sin. They're, they're giving in and uh, allowing it to overtake them. And in, in that by itself, they are uh, being led to, you know, punishment by God. And so we've seen that in Obadiah. We saw it in Joel. Uh, We are now going to see it in Amos as well. So, some of the themes, you know, that, that will cross up in this book uh, under the law, we will find that the nations will be condemned. Uh, it is the Lord as a lion, but a remnant will be saved. Uh, the unfaithful worship will be another hot topic in this book. And again, we will come across topic of the day of the Lord. Uh, the gospel themes, that remnant we will have saved. Now, this is an interesting topic. We might talk a little bit about it today. Um, because I think it pays well to understand what remnant means. Uh, we have the seek the Lord and live, the booth of David, the restoration of Israel, and the Lord relents. So we will have some gospel themes that will be uh, comforting and help us to kind of take a deep breath after uh, the law lays, lays us flat. But before we get into the rest, I want to talk about the remnant aspect first because this is kind of a misconception, especially uh, comes into the dispensational circles, that only so many people will be saved. And, and what they will actually then go on to say is that only so many Jews will be saved, um, but the church 
the Gentile church will have, uh, a, a, you know, a, an endless number of people saved, but the Jews will only have so many people. And that's kind of based upon, um, this book in particular, some of Paul's writings and a little bit of revelation and, you know, like the 144,000, uh, is, is a pretty popular number they lay, they land on. Um, but this is kind of the, the, you know, the thing that we talked about in those series on revelation is of the 144,000, is that all time? Is that only for a, you know, a particular window is that, you know, on the day of destruction, those 144,000 Jews who are living will be saved or, you know, what does that really mean? And, and if we, if we start to understand that it's just a hypothetical number or a symbolical number that demonstrates a large quantity of people, it makes it easier to understand. So we can't really place a limit on this word, the remnant, but we do know that God will save some. Not all of the people in the history of Israel were saved, and that how that shows us, you know, even in the time of Moses when they were wandering around the desert, they there were many who were grumbling, uh, and uh, God essentially prevents them from going into the promised land because of that, and then has them wander the desert for forty years, and then they continue to grumble, and so uh, God gives Moses the the staff, and then sends a plague of snakes and they have to stare at the staff and you know pray to the staff and otherwise uh, they'll get bitten by snakes and die. So it's like just really bizarre stuff, but you know it, it pays us to understand that God doesn't save all of Israel even though Israel is his chosen people. There were some and many, in fact, who lived uh, through the Jewish line who just were not faithful to God. And we see that in the kings and the judges and we see that all throughout the history of Israel. And so when we get a text that's warning us uh, against impending doom and impending judgment, but yet out of that, there will be a remnant saved. That means that not all of Judah or Jerusalem uh, will be destroyed. It'll just, it'll be a portion um, without, you know, any sort of limit on or uh, minimum on number. So as we read uh, Amos, we see, and I and I get it. I, there's some people that say Amos and Amos, or Amos. Uh, it, it it's A M O S. I mean, you make it make it sound like how you want it. I say Amos. I just that's the way I've always heard it said. Um, but I I've heard other people pronounce it a little bit differently. So, and and as all you know that listen to me on a regular basis, you know that my tongue does not function sometimes when I'm trying to say a word, and so I stumble even on the most basic English words. I get tongue tied. Um, and, and it, sometimes it's because I talk so fast that I just trip myself up. And so that's why when I preach a sermon, I have to be very, I have to slow down and, and articulate what I'm saying. So if you ever heard a sermon of me, uh, you'll know that that's a lot different than hearing the podcast or, uh, talking to me in real life because I am a hundred miles a minute in real life. Uh, and, and I try to slow down a little bit on the show, but I got a lot of content to squeeze into 30 minutes. So I got to talk fast. Uh, and so if you are the type of person that puts me or puts your podcast on like 1.5 speed or 1.2 speed, uh, it's probably not advantageous for you to do that on my show because, uh, there's sometimes that I'll be working through a lot of doctrine really quickly and you'll just hear a bunch of blurs. So here we go. Rating Amos 
The Lord called the shepherd Amos to deliver a surprising and ominous message to Judah and Israel. In his prophecies, Amos pictured the Lord angry, crouching, and focused like a lion, striking the sinful, carefree nations. The kingdoms were prosperous when Amos preached, but his prophecies of destruction were rapidly fulfilled by the invading Caesarians who besieged Smyrna within a few decades. Here's what Luther has to say. It's well, it's a decent chunk, but let's read it. Amos 1.1 does specify his time. He lived and preached in the days of Hosea and Israel and Isaiah. He attacks the same vices and idolatry or false sanctity as does Hosea. And he also forewarns of the Assyrian captivity. He is violent too and denounces the people of Israel throughout almost the entire book until the end of the last chapter where he prophesies of Christ in his kingdom and closes the book with that. No prophet, I think, has so little in the way of promises so and so much in the way of denunciations and threats. He can well be called Amos, that is, a burden, one who is hard to get along with and irritating, particularly because he is a shepherd and not one of the order of the prophets, as he says himself in chapter 7, verse 14. Besides, he comes out of the land of the tribe of Judah from uh, Tekoa and into the kingdom of Israel and preaches there as a foreigner. It is for this reason that they say that the priest Amaziah, whom rebukes him in chapter 7, verses 10 through 17, beat him to death with a club. In the first chapter, Amos is difficult and obscure, where he speaks for three speaks of three or four sins. Many have knocked themselves out over it, and it's struggling with it at a great length, but the text, I believe, shows clearly that these three or four sins are not are but one sin, for he always names and cites only one sin. Against Damascus, for example, he names that only sin that they have thrashed Gilgad with iron chariots, as noted in verse one three. Uh, but Amos calls out a sin three or four because the people. Do not repent of the sin or acknowledge it. Rather, they boast in it and rely on it as though there were good deed of false saints always do. For a sin cannot become grave, great, or weighty when when it tries to be holy and godly work, making the devil God and the God devil. So two, three, or four makes seven which is the completeness of the number of scriptures, which one turns back and begins to count again, but both days and weeks. Amos is quoted twice in the New Testament, first in Acts chapter 7, verses 42 through 43, where Stephen cites Amos chapter 5, 25 through 27, against the Jews and shows them that the Jews have never kept God's law from the time that they came, first came out of Egypt. The second time is in Acts chapter 15, verses 15 through 17, where St. James in the first council of the apostles quotes from the chapter of Amos chapter 9. As a proof of the Christian liberty and the Gentiles under the New Testament are bound to keep the laws of Moses and which the Jews themselves have never kept and could not keep. As St. Peter preaches in Acts chapter 15 verse 10. These are two important bits in Amos and they are two very good bits. That's Luther on, on this book. So some challenges. We have an outline uh, his first challenge, Amos' prophecies do not always stand together with clear logical order, which can make his arguments difficult to follow. Uh, millennialism, the some interpreters of the promises uh, about the land in chapter 9 is a prophecy about the restoration of Israel. 
fulfilled in 1948 by the creation of modern Israel. However, the New Testament interprets such prophecies and applying them to the church because Jesus did not come and set up an earthly kingdom, John 18.36, but a spiritual kingdom, the church, noted in Acts chapter 15, Galatians chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3. Some blessings for you readers. Amos demonstrates the character of God's justice, which uh, punishes not only the nations for their sins, but also his Old Testament people, Israel and Judah. The Lord insists that people of all nations, classes, and incomes treat one another responsibly and mercifully in accordance to his word. Through Amos, focuses on the law's condemnation and the imminent fall of Israel. He concludes with a prophecy of the coming Savior, and he notes of enduring hope. So we got a short outline. Let's go over that real quick for you. We've got our super our superscription, and that will always be the first verse or two that kind of tells us who and what is going on. Uh, those are verses one and two. Then we have um, section one, the judgments against the nations, and then they break the nations down. And this ranges from chapter one, verse three, through chapter two, verse 16. So we have Syria, Philistinia, Tyre. Eden, Ammon, Moab, jo- Judah, and Israel, closing out in the end of, in the middle of chapter 2 there. Uh, section 2, declarations concerning Israel. This is ranging from chapters 3 through 6. Accusations lodged against Israel. This is chapters 3 and 4. And then under this, we have Yahweh's exclusion, exclusive relationship with Israel. We will see a prophecy verified. Proclamation concerning Israel's guilt and punishment condemnation of the rich woman of Israel, indictment of sacrificial sins, failure to respond to Yahweh's rebuke. Uh, Section B, we'll pick up here in chapter 5. This is the lamentation for Israel. And then we will have the exhortation to seek Yahweh. And then we have judgment on the day of Yahweh. This is chapter 5, verse 18 through chapter 6, verse 14. Again, these chapters aren't very long, so we, we should be able to move fairly decently through this book. Uh, so under this, there's four sections. It's the day of Yahweh, which will take us two verses. And we'll have detestable ritual practices, warning to the secure and complacent, and then a certain destruction for the prideful house of Israel. Uh, section three is visions. This is chapter seven through nine. This closes out the book broken into three sections. Visions do not come to pass. And then we have visions of locusts and visions of fire. And then starting at verse 7 in chapter 7, we have visions that do come to pass. And this is the vision of the plumb line. And this will take us for a couple verses. And then we have these historical interlude, which is seven verses in chapter 10, or chapter 7, verse 10 through 17. Then we have the vision of the summer fruit. This is chapter 8, verses 1 through 14. Then we have the vision of the Lord beside the altar, 9, verses 1 through 10. And then we have the last four verses, restoration of David's booth. So that's really uh, Amos in a, in a nutshell. It's not a long book. Uh, there are multiple chapters, but it is one that we should be able to work through rather quickly. And so the introduction episode is going to be a little bit shorter, but uh, I think you guys will enjoy this book as much as I do enjoy doing these. I love these little segments that we're doing, and and I think it helps me to really uh, dig into the scripture deeper and to understand uh, what it is that's going on in these books. Because quite truthfully, most people probably don't study the minor prophets. Most people don't study the wisdom books. Most people don't go to those obscure books of the Bible, which are 
fundamental and crucial in many aspects because they have a lot of insight to the person and nature of God. And we will see that demonstrated throughout the book. We'll obviously see the remnant saved. Uh, we will have the, the Lord bringing restoration to Israel. And then we will have the promise of the Messiah. And so there's so much beauty wrapped up in these, in these prophecies of destructions that we sometimes can kind of shun away from. So that's going to end it for this week. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. Uh, I hope you have a great week. Be back Tuesday with another new episode in our uh, sacramental series. And uh, I'll see you all then. God bless. Have a great weekend. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.